Welcome to Antimatterpod, a Star Trek podcast where we discuss fashion, feminism, subtext and subspace hosted by Annika and Liz. That's me. This week we're talking about the only two episodes of the original series to feature Romulans, Balance of Terror and The Enterprise Incident. A first season episode and a third season episode. Isn't it wild that the Romulans are so important to Star Trek and yet they only appear twice? I think it's they're very memorable. Yeah, yeah. And unlike the Klingons, they have that connection with Vulcan and Vulcan, Spock, right. basically. Yes, precisely. I don't mean, it's not like, I mean, the Klingons took over as soon yeah. as the movies and Next Generation were around. The Romulans had much less, like, the Romulans were almost working for Klingons. In, yeah, in they were very later... sidelined. It's interesting. It's interesting. But so I'm, I, you know, we've discussed how thrilled I am that they're having a renaissance. This is a pro-Romulan podcast. <laughs> It's interesting to go back to those at the beginning of the Romulans mm. and try to really watch it from a perspective of, you know, not these are my favorite aliens <laughs> since I was yes. 12, you know, so it's, a, it's, it's interesting, it's interesting. Uh, sort of trying to piece together how we would feel about them without the baggage of everything else. Right. It's it's hard. Especially yeah. the Enterprise incident is really hard. <laughs> oh, I know. Balance of Terror is more... There, we, we know less about... Like, we... Even within the context of that episode, we, we learn so little about Romulans mm. in that episode. And it's much more about the personalities of the Romulans and the humans than it is about the race. Or, we uh, get intriguing or... glimpses, though. The, the business about the praetor and, and the junior officer who is more loyal to the politics and the praetor than to his own commander and so forth. Like, I really love mm. that stuff. And it feels like it's the very foundation political. for everything that will come. Those Roman Romulans. <laughs> <laughs> I am on the record as saying that I like, I think Balance of Terror is good and I respect it, but I don't enjoy watching it. I was surprised at how much fun I had this time. And I think that's in part because I've watched a lot of submarine movies since the last time I watched the, the episode. And, and you, you, I have more appreciation for the tropes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was going to say, so you, you see that that part of it and yeah, respect it as yeah, a genre I mean, as opposed to just star trek <laughs> yes and submarine movies are not really something that i watch because i love the characters they're because i love the tension so that that really works this time but also in talking to you about the character of kirk i really enjoyed what they did with him in balance of terror and uh the way he's so young but he's so paternal with his officers it's just it's so interesting and i was uh, McCoy's whole don't destroy the one named Kirk you know there are <gasps> millions of galaxies and billions of people and only one James Kirk felt like such a wonderful statement of the series humanism yes yes I I agree and I think it it this episode does a lot of heavy lifting for the relationships between mm-hmm. Kirk and McCoy and and how how Spock is viewed by the rest of the crew. 
you yeah. know how even if he what didn't have a connection to the Romulans like he's sort of an he's the outsider and he's sort of I know that intellectually like that's like his character description but again because Spock has now been around for so long and he's so central to Star mm. Trek it's hard to think of him as the underdog yes Yes, and it's interesting to me that we have Balance of Terror where Spock is subject to the bigotry of another crewman. And then we have the Enterprise incident two years later where the Romulans are sort of trying to play on his experience of bigotry to say, wouldn't you be happier among Romulans? And he's going, mm. actually, no, I belong with the Federation. I'm not, not fully human and not fully Vulcan, but I'm totally Federation. Mm. It's definitely clear in the Enterprise incident that they have a giant file on everybody in the Enterprise. Mm. <laughs> and it's like, that's what I want to know about. <laughs> I want all of the details on how they are getting this information and how it's presented to the Romulans, you know, to the, the Praetor and then the military and then to the individuals. Like, there's yeah. so many layers there that it's just really like that's why I'm so obsessed with these Romulans is that there's just so many layers to it I was wondering if the Romulan officers have standing orders to try to recruit any Vulcan they encounter like ideally high-ranked Starfleet officers but literally any Vulcan they can get their hands on and I, I think that feels very political and sort of in line with the allegations that North Korea is very into abducting South Koreans when they can and mm. uh, also ties in with Diane Duane's plot about the Romulans sort of being a bit obsessed with Vulcans and their abilities and hating and fearing them but also really wanting to be part of them. Mm. I think that that is definitely a through line through mm. the Romulan stories, even in the first, in, in Balance of Terror, when all they know about each other is this military intel spy stuff, right? They don't have yeah. any personal interactions or knowledge. And the, the Romulan commander, uh, not Spock's dad, <laughs> is... He envies the federation in that like he he this is gonna sound not to be super political but mm -hmm. the, i'm very political these days because i'd like to you know here's my world it's horrible <laughs> and very political like literally everything you do is political and with this pandemic all of the problems existed before the pandemic but now they are like exposed for literally everyone to see like no one can escape them at this point yeah and one of those is that we force people to work until they die so this guy this one romulan commander he just wants to go home and like be a farmer and live out his life and and not like he he reminds me of people who are like forced into the military for you know for uh whatever reason, either because it's actually a mandate for their culture or because they can't afford to like go to medical school mm. otherwise kind of thing. And then they're stuck, like, you know, working off this debt to their society. And it's like, 
they've done it. He's done it. This guy should yeah. be let. He should be allowed to retire and and have his wife and his family and his farm. And instead, he dies, and it's just like, why? <laughs> why did that happen? Other than we don't care about people. <laughs> and so, you know, not to say that America has more in common with the Romulans. <laughs> but. Well, but. One thing that did strike me is that between these two episodes, the Federation doesn't really necessarily have much of a moral high ground. Like, yes, the Romulans have been uh, carrying out these unprovoked attacks on what appear to be civilian outposts along the neutral zone. But two years later, Kirk is just literally going into Romulan space to conduct an espionage mission. <laughs> and plausible deniability is literally discussed. Well, so it, it's, it's from... interesting that the Federation is not held up as morally superior to the Romulans. I mean, you don't think it is? Because I got the impression that because it was Kirk and Spock, we were on their side and they oh, were doing yeah, the right Oh, yeah, absolutely. Thing. So but... it didn't seem to me like there was like a moral... It was definitely the, mor the Romulans are bad and whatever we have to do to beat them is okay, which isn't something I agree with on any level, but... I don't know if it's necessarily that black and white, because if it were, the Romulans would not be so likable. You know, we really respect the Mark Lennard Romulan commander, and he's been, you know, okay. basically carrying out terrorist attacks along the border. <laughs> and and the, the Joanne Linville Romulan commander is so smart and charming and a character you really enjoy spending time with. I don't think they would be that likable if right. the intent was for us to hate them. I can I can see that. They're definitely likable. I don't know that they're well, yeah. No, okay. I I'll I will concede the point. Not necessarily admirable, but yeah, but maybe sympathetic. I I think that's it. I think you know, Kirk uh Kirk Spock genuinely hurts the Linville commander when he betrays her mm. and you get the impression that in another life the Lennard commander would have been a really stand-up decent guy right yes if he wasn't stuck being yeah guy. yeah well that's the thing he is so decent and honorable that we just overlook all the people he's killed <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say the Linville commander doesn't have a body count. Well, I mean, even with even if I completely erase Diane Duane's take on it from my mind, the Linville commander, simply because she's a woman mm -hmm. in the 60s. Yes. I just, in my, you know, I assume that she had to work three times as much Mm. for every inch of power that she got in that society. Now, I know that since then we've seen the Romulans as kind of matriarchal, that they they yes, definitely but, have a lot of women in high places. But that's but a new thing, and it's sort of evolved from the force yeah. of Linville's presence. Right. And definitely in this one, I, like, mm. I just, again, simply because it was made in, you know... It's 1969 and where feminism was at that point mm. it's i just assume that she's this 
I don't know, like a Hillary Clinton figure. Yeah. <laughs> Who, by the time she gets to be in power, everyone hates her <laughs> because of all the things she had to do get, to get there. You certainly don't get the impression that her sub-commander has any strong feelings for her either way. Mm. Sub-commander Tal, who looks like Peter Capaldi in ears. <laughs> Speaking of feminism in the 60s, I was going through old zines and I was really surprised to learn that the fans, the female fans of the 70s really, really hated this character. And it was partially that she made the moves on Spock and how dare she. And partially because she does lose in the end and they felt like it was a story about putting a woman in her place and depriving her hmm. of her power. I mean, I, I guess I can see that argument, but I didn't... I, I don't know. I and it, it probably is because I am biased, but I never felt like I felt like she her power is very tenuous to begin with. And honestly, Mark Lenard's too. Yeah, you constantly like, neither to of them in the back. Neither of them seem to be like commanding their crews in a way. You know, they're not they're not Kirk. You know, the yeah. people aren't gonna line up to fall on the bomb for him. You know. Yeah. Like neither of them have that that loyalty. I don't I don't know, that that presence. They the just camaraderie they seem to be... that comes from being part of a democracy. Yeah. Yes. It seems like like everyone is maneuvering and everyone is is looking out for themselves or their interests. I mean hashtag Romulans. <laughs> well right, exactly. <laughs> but so so it doesn't feel to me like Spock put this woman in her place who no. because she, she wasn't she wasn't a woman in power to begin with. <laughs> like I think it's it's also that but also that sort of urge that any female character must be perfect and flawless and never make mistakes. And she does make mistakes. She's attracted to Spock, she lets that interfere with her judgment, and he is also attracted to her, but he is a Vulcan and therefore doesn't. And I guess one point to logic, zero points to Romulans. But don't you think Svaka would be happier if he... I'm just saying. Mm. I would love to see AOS fic where the AOS Romulan commander is somehow helping Spock with the rebirth of Vulcan. Of... Oh. Yeah, you know what? In AOS, they definitely got to make up with the Romulans much quicker. Yeah, like, I realise at this point in their timeline, they still don't know that the Romulans are related to Vulcans, but that could be a whole movie. Yeah. Call me Paramount. <laughs> Apparently, it was trending on Twitter earlier that Zachary Quinto wants to play Spock again, so let's go. Yeah, yeah, we'll go for it. I love his work. And I should say, it was trending on Star Trek Twitter. It was... <laughs> actual Twitter is very busy right now there's some stuff going on yeah just yeah. a few things <laughs> but yeah I, I think despite her flaws maybe because of her flaws I love the Romulan commander the Linville one I quite like mm -hmm. Sarat commander and I like to think that he has a nice husband at home and he's a really really good dad and he has a great relationship <laughs> with all of his kids and uh, he's the anti Sarek <laughs> that's basically, adorable yes I, I mean, I love the Romulan, the wait, Linville Romulan. This is hard. They need names. I know. <laughs> I, I'm very mad that neither of them have names. Like, why does her <laughs> sub-commander have a name and she doesn't? 
Right. Because if they were trying to make a whole, you know, the the commanders don't have names. Like it, uh, this is one of those things that it, it's like now we've give we've we the fandom and mm-hmm. and the authors in the canon authors in particular, but everybody has come up with reasons why all of these things are. Yes. And we've made it part of Romulan culture. But in reality, I think it was just they didn't give them names. <laughs> it's weird. And I wish Dorothy <laughs> Fontana was around to ask. <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> like, why? What is, the, what, is this, what is going on here? Because, yeah, other people do have names. It's just them. Yeah. And, like, all the Klingons we meet have names. Yeah. So I guess it's part of that whole Romulan secrecy thing and you know, their public name and their family name and their secret name. Thank you very much, Michael Chabon. You're forgiven on this count. But (laughs) couldn't we at least find out their public names so we don't have to refer to them by their actors? Right. Because it's it's annoying, especially, like, Lennard's Romulan commander and Linville. (laughs) It just sounds, it just, it takes me out of the discussion. And I, I'm always on the verge of saying Linley instead of Linville, and I believe Joanne Linley was a different actress altogether. <laughs> so Yes. <laughs> Whoops. This is just one of the things I would change if I could go back in time to fix Star Trek. But it's on my list. <laughs> I am really interested in how Kirk is mirrored with the Lennard commander, who is I won't say logical, but he's sort of stoic and and duty bound like Spock and Mm -hmm. Spock is mirrored with the Linville commander who is emotional and sensuous and and strategic like Kirk Mm. interesting I like this it it just occurred to me this morning as I was making our outline and I thought my goodness a that would be an amazing double date and (laughs) it's just shipping aside it's just really interesting how these character types bounce so well off each other. And of course, there's yes. also a great deal in common between Kirk and the Lennard commander, and whereas Spock and the Linville commander have the sort of contrast you get in a really spiky het pairing. Mm. Uh, I mean, it's a very 1960s seduction. It's, it, you know, it reminds me of, of, in James Bond, there's always like, the hot girl that is Mm. a tragic figure or a like side piece and then there's the hot girl that is like he he can't be with her for some reason (laughs) and and in the best bond films it's that she that she's on the other side that she's the enemy and it reminds me of that kind of relationship so what you're saying is that mark lenard is a bond girl yes Excellent. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so I mean, I I think it can work, you know. So. No, I I think it, I think it makes sense, and I, I don't really ship anyone with a Lenard commander because, like, he doesn't even meet these people face to face, and he kills a lot of people. But still, I, I you keep saying that. I like I don't even think of it. It, it doesn't like it's yes, I. He's the enemy and he's the Romulan and he is, because he's at that level, like he's, you know, again, I, he, he's like at retirement age. So I yeah. feel that he, 
he of course he must have killed he must have killed people that our crew knew you know like he's mm. that level of person and yet it does not factor into my like appreciation of him at all that's the thing it has not not factored into mine either and i'm so interested in how willing i am to overlook that and Mm. will i change my opinion if i keep reiterating to myself as much as our listeners that he killed a bunch of people Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it's kind of like no i think he's a great character and i wish he hadn't died and we could have spent more time with him and yeah yeah adventures of romulans in in federation captivity it reminds me of my strong feelings for the defector Romulan. Yes. And how I, like, he is, in that episode, they straight up say, like, this is his resume of death. Yes. <laughs> Here are all the people he personally killed. And yet, I just, I'm so upset that he dies. I'm so upset that he is, you know his family won't remember him and they'll and they'll like destroy his name and and he won't get he won't get that Romulan legacy thing Mm. and like I'm just really distraught that he that the one good thing that he does in defecting to the Federation and trying to save both sides is what destroys him (laughs) for for, you know both physically and like Mm. you know spiritually i guess it's just really upsetting well you you know we love a redemption arc and and mm-hmm. i think we know that the Leonard commander and the defector whose name i'm blanking on even though i should know it uh both of them neither of them actually had a choice in following out their orders like romulus is not the sort of state where you can go uh so that is an illegal order and i am entitled to not follow it that's the sort right. of thing that will get you and your family killed and, and so it's like the thing we discussed i think in our episode about um you know odo being a terrible fascist collaborator and, and how living <laughs> under a totalitarian regime right. compromises everyone yes uh, and it's any anytime we bring up emperor jojo it's like hmm. Emperor Georgiou is a horrible person, yes, but that doesn't mean that she can't have a redemption arc because she was, she had didn't have a choice. That yes. was it. That was the only even, choice she had. Even as a person in power, if she wanted to live and she wanted her family to live, then yeah, she had to go along with it. She probably didn't need to eat so many people, but this is why <laughs> well, she needs a redemption arc. Right. And I, I just, just, it's very, I, I'm always on the side of the people who are terrible and, and, but want to be like, for me, all it takes is that you want to be better. Yes. That's all, that's all I need from you. And I will be on your side and I will help you do it. So it's, you know, of course the the worse the things you've done, it's going to take longer. There's going to be a lot you have to make up for, you know? But I just, I, I always come from a place of, if you're going to go on this road, then I will help you on the road. Like, I will be on the road with you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and so I don't think that Lenard Commander is irredeemable. 
I just, I'm just so interested that we overlook his crimes. Hmm. Let's talk about uh, Lieutenant Riley, the the bigoted dickhead on the bridge. <laughs> the bigoted dickhead. I'm just yeah. saying. Well, I yes. So I put in our notes here, like two seconds before we started, that mm. uh, the the line is like famous, really, at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. That Kirk says to our bigot that bigotry doesn't belong in the bridge. Keep that in your quarters. Yes. Something like that. And, you know, it's like, oh, what an amazing progressive thought to have in the 60s. Like, first of all, the 60s were progressive, so. <laughs> but, yeah, that's... <laughs> so let's just put that aside. But uh, second of all, it's not actually super progressive to be like, hide your bigotry and it's okay. Like, that's, yeah. that's, not, that's, that's not it, guys. It's, it's sort of the starting point for being in a professional environment where there are no telepaths but it's sort of like sexual harassment in the workplace yeah you know i'm sure anyone everyone everywhere has had one of those uh trainings sexual harassment in the workplace trainings and like what they hammer into you is that it doesn't matter if you think it's sexual harassment if the person who's being sexually harassed does and you are creating a hostile environment by ignoring it, then you are in the wrong. Yeah, and there's no no need for Riley to confront his bigotry. Like, he's rude about Spock, and then Spock saves his life regardless mm-hmm. of that, and then we're friends again. And it's kind of like, uh, it's just a bit weak. It's, yeah, I, 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 like, I, I understand that they only had, like, whatever 50 minutes to do right. this whole and thing and he's not like he's not in any other episode he's just this random guy like i understand hmm. the shortcomings of the medium yes for this but, but to have it still held up in 2020 as this exactly. amazing aspirational high point is really is really sad <laughs> We really need to progress, guys. Yeah, we, guys. We need to on. move forward. Because the truth of the matter is, is that we're probably more bigoted as a society. Or not as a society, but as individuals with individual groups within the society. Because we're yeah. so partisan and we're so, like, entrenched. The people who are bigots are you know, we've been fighting against them for 40, 50, 60, 80 years, right? So yeah. they've become very defensive. They're very entrenched in their beliefs. And it's, yeah. we're, it just makes us all become more vocal and more loud. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I am super for being as loud and as vocal as possible in, in, in opposition to their open bigotry. But... Yes. Because of that, we can't look at this one moment from 1966 where Kirk says, hide your bigotry, as like a good thing. Like, we just can't. We need, no. to, we need to say, no, no hiding. Get rid of that. I yeah. also want to say that it's just bizarre to me that Riley is holding a grudge about a war 100 years ago. Like... My great-grandfather fought in the First World War. I don't have any negative feelings towards Germans because of that. You know, there's, like, the people who worship the Confederacy. 
yeah, and are upset about thing. us getting rid of their like Confederate statues or or saying that you shouldn't fly the Confederacy flag at like a national sporting event. Like <laughs> those people exist, and they are those they are those loud entrenched bigots, and so it's weird. It's weird. It's like that is not unbelievable to me <laughs> that if he was raised in that mm. community of people that and he was taught from a very young age that you know I you hate Romulans mm. also I wonder on a world building level is it is there this sense of unfinished business because we don't know anything about them? We don't know what they look like. We've never met a Romulan face to face. And so it's very easy for them to become this terrible boogeyman. Oh, absolutely. Because, mm. I mean, imagine if your grandfather fought the Germans and, and, but you never learned about them. Like you never, yeah, you never learned about Snow White, <laughs> you know, like, there, you you only ever learned about people who killed your grandfather's friends. Yeah. I don't no, know. That, that is a really interesting way to look at it. I, I like it a lot. Uh, I mean, yeah, I just... <laughs> as I said, like, like five minutes ago, I am the opposite of this. However, <laughs> I understand it. <laughs> or I understand why it would happen. And again, it's all environmental and... yeah what you're what you're brought up with and what you learn and what you're surrounded by at all times like those are the things that are going to affect you the most the you know not to be all nature versus nurture but <laughs> i think we all have the natural ability to be open-minded <laughs> but if you're only ever told one story, then that's the story that you're going to cling to. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. And it's sort of, I'm trying to bring it back to the actual Sorry. episode <laughs> and I, I can't. The pollen is in my brain and it's reproducing. Uh, let's talk about the fashion. Yes, I love it. Okay, so Romulans have terrible fashion. Oh, I think it's great. As a rule, Romulans have terrible fashion. Like they yes, are okay. the worst. <laughs> they, they, and and these episodes are no different. Like it's worse in TNG <laughs> and their ridiculous uh, shoulder pads and like the fact that they all look like they're wearing, you know, like used car leather mm. outfits. Like it's just bad. And their pants really, always really look bad. like culottes. Yes. Oh my god, they're so bad. Everything is bad in the next generation. But the tweed, like, the, the, the different layers of bronze and magenta and, <laughs> like, I don't even know what to color, what to call that color blue, but that blue. It's like a deep electric tweed blue. Is, is, is also bad. They all, they all look like, they kind of, it kind of reminds me of T'Pol's sofa jumpsuit that she wears for the first two seasons <laughs> and so i kind of like that it's like oh look the vulcans and the romulans both wear ridiculous like upholstery wear right exactly upholstery clothes instead of 
like actual fabrics, but you know, uh, you know, fa- clothing fabrics as opposed to making what you make your furniture mm. out of. But, but, but uh, I always thought that the Romulan costumes, the Romulan uniforms, were crochet, and <laughs> I finally watched it in HD, and I was so disappointed to learn that it's just the print on the fabric. I loved the idea of this evil empire wearing. <laughs> grandma's blankets <laughs> me too oh my goodness like like that it that that's another point in the matriarchy yes <laughs> like, there we I go <laughs> but i mean they also have the, that ridiculous helmet amazing ridiculous can we helmet the helmet is because they couldn't afford ears for everyone yes definitely yeah. we can but it's also hilarious in so every hilarious. way i mean it's like spray painted gold it is so good and so bad i love it um and then obviously i love linville romling commander all of her mm. outfits both they're both amazing like she is like i'm going to make this tweet work for me <laughs> so you better be ready for my tall boots and short it's like, skirt <laughs> it's 1960 so she's going to command in thigh-high leather boots and a skirt so short that at one point it rides up to show her undies it is so ridiculous like again this is why i can't take her completely i can't take like i can take her completely seriously but i can't take the idea that everyone on that ship respects her as the captain completely seriously I don't because think that's fair. Just... I think we just have to suspend belief. Yeah. Suspend disbelief. Like, everyone takes Uhura seriously, and she's wearing an equally brief skirt. <laughs> I just... I feel like we've become more prudish in the ensuing decade it's about showing vast expanses of thigh. <laughs> but then she wears that other dress with the swirls. I love that dress so much. And that dress is amazing. That dress I would wear... Now, I was with about to say the no same qualms. Thing. I am ready to wear it. It is perfection and it's timeless. It's really wonderful, and I look at the way the print on the fa- um, on the fabric works and how it follows the lines of the dress, and I'm just so impressed with that piece of dressmaking. Like you know, HD sometimes makes the costumes look a bit shite. Aside from a little wobbliness in the seams on that dress, I think it ha- holds up really nicely. Mm. So, are we? Do you have anything else to say about fashion? Because I have a ridiculous comment. Uh, I just enjoy how Spock is kind of offended at Kirk running around in what is... I'm going to call it ear face. Yes, ear face. I mean, I'm kind of offended. So. But it's not the ears, it's the makeup. <laughs> yeah, it really... The ears, Mark... you know, whatever. Even the eyebrows, you know, passable. But the fact they make him very swarthy is a little upsetting. Yeah, and I think they've done the same with Linville too. Harder to say with Leonard. I don't think he's in so much bronzer. But that this was very much an era where they're like, hmm, aliens... Let's get some white people yeah. and paint them brown. <laughs> it's really not, it's not great. It's not great, guys. I understand that, like, our perception of what brown face is has expanded since the 60s. Like, black face and brown face, I'm sure, were controversial at the time. But 
no one would have looked at, for example, no. Takuvma wearing full-length black latex and gone, oh my god, this man is in blackface, which is a reaction some people had to Discovery. Hmm. And I'm not saying that's an incorrect reaction. I just think that our standards have shifted and we've become more sensitive to this sort of thing. Mm. That I mean, I think that's probably true. That we definitely, I mean, I would hope. Oh, yeah. And I hope that we're getting better. I hope that we will continue to grow in this area. And you're right. I, I think that at that time it was just makeup. It wasn't a... Yeah. It wasn't, they weren't trying, and they, I don't even think they were... Like, maybe they were. I'm not going to say. I don't know. But it's possible that they weren't consciously trying to be racist. (laughs) Or, like, they weren't saying that this kind of person is evil. No. And so we're going to color our white people to look like that. I think they were just using the, again, using the story they knew. Yeah, I think it is... The, the makeup for the Klingons and the Romulans is steeped in Orientalism, but I don't think that was a conscious choice. Right, exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. That, yeah. that it, it was definitely true that it, was, that it happened, but it wasn't like they were going out of their way to do it. It just happened because they didn't know any better. And that is not an excuse and that is not a, a good thing, but it, it's a reason. It's, I understand, yeah. again, where it comes from. Exactly. And I'm not going to be angry at Joanne Linville for, like, she didn't have any control over that. You know, William Shatner didn't have any control over that. So, you know, whatever. He, it's not his fault. I'm not mad at Kirk and I'm not mad at William Shatner, but I am mad at the fact that it happened. <laughs> mad at the world in general for, yeah, yeah. I'm all over the place today. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, me too. And I guess this is a good time to give our listeners a heads up that I am moving house in a couple of weeks. And for the next two weekends, I will be painting the house I'm moving into. So, (laughs) wow. Our next episode could be a little scattershot because I'm probably going to have to get up very early in the morning to record it before we go and paint. So, sorry. Oh Oh my goodness. Well, good luck with all of that. Thank you. I've never painted anything except, you know, a canvas. So, so this is I actually, exciting. It's a lot of fun, actually, to paint walls. You're painting, like, walls. and Yeah, that's, yeah. It's actually very, uh, like, relaxing. Mm. And then when you're done, you have an amazing sense of accomplishment, in my experience. I'm thinking of putting in, like, a bright magenta feature wall so I can make my study feel like the Linville commander's office. Mm-hmm. Yes, so I... Divide it with a transparent... Do it. A translucent pink curtain for Spock to hide behind. <laughs> uh, I really... I mean, you know, I ship them a, a lot. I know. That was where I was going to go earlier. And... Uh, so I know you you have a, a headcanon that Laris is related to the <laughs> commander, and I'm 100% for that. That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just want to say that I definitely at one point plotted a whole arc about how Savick was their daughter. <laughs> I mean, she was half Romulan, half Vulcan. She was, right. She was half Romulan and half Vulcan, and like Kirstie Alley kind of has the facial features, and mm. then Robin Curtis has the hair, and <laughs> so it's sort of like I can no, see it. No, I can, I can totally works. see it, and it's 
it's it's like well i've had this kid and i don't think she's going to be very happy she's not very happy growing up as a romulan maybe you would like to take care of her yeah and sarek is like a surprise grandchild this is the greatest (laughs) day of my life exactly see like i think it would actually it we wouldn't have to change anything in canon although except maybe when she held in through Panfar. I was going to say, we have to change the bit where they have sex. But we can just ignore that. <laughs> and, uh, I, I uh, already do. <laughs> I know. <laughs> David can help him through Panfar. Oh, now that's a new pairing. I think it's kind of sweet. I think Kirk is going to have some issues, and <laughs> I look forward to seeing it. Plenty of issues. Anyway, I think that my main... My main comment is I'm really sad that she's never mentioned ever again in in canon. Like she there's this whole book series which I love. We've we've dis- mm, discussed mm, mm. that but even there she's gone. You know, she's exiled and so she's like a a, a ghost, but she's not yeah. actually physically there. And then like you and I have come up with like hey, she, and I and people are like oh, the universe is too small if everyone's related to everyone and it's like yeah okay which but I, also... I i believe and yet some opportunities and... <laughs> are so too good to pass up right and if harry mudd gets to have a renaissance <laughs> where is my commander? <sighs> that's all i have to say concept 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 the next aos movie features the romulan commander jennifer garner plays her Yes. You know, she's a bit older than Quinto and she has that sort of sexy maternal vibe. We know she can handle an action scene, but she also has buckets of charisma. And we all met her as a spy. Yes. It's perfect. Yep. As as usual, it's a mystery to me why the entertainment industry isn't literally beating down my door. You know what? I wouldn't like they don't even have to pay me at this point. <laughs> oh no, they have to pay me. I, I don't don't work for free. But I will accept payment in Australian dollars, which is a great deal if you're American. <laughs> I was going to say, do we have much more to say? Could we just make this a short episode and I can take uh, my pollen? The only thing and... I want to say is that I I I wanted to discuss McCoy because yes. I think he has an interesting role in both of these episodes. More than usually, he's the voice of reason and humanity. Yes. And I I think I said earlier that uh, the balance of terror does a lot of heavy lifting for the McCoy and Kirk relationship. And I think just establishing McCoy as that, Mm. you know, center heart or conscience of the Enterprise crew. It's actually interesting how little Spock has in terms of an emotional arc in Balance of Terror. What's interesting about Spock in Balance of Terror is that it's not about him. Yeah, which I think is sort of a metaphor for bigotry in a way, that it doesn't really matter who a person is. But the most interesting thing for Spock in this episode is that he makes a mistake and gives away their location, and that's so unlike him. And it's the closest hint we ever get to the the emotional turmoil he may or may Mm. not be suffering in terms of how the revelations about the Romulans. I'm sorry, I just need to duck out for five minutes. We'll just keep recording and resume when I get back. Okay. 
Sorry. That's okay. Are you there? Yes. Oh, so sorry. My breakfast all of a sudden disagreed with me. I was going to say, it is so interesting how there are things that have sort of been tacked onto the Romulans later on, like the cultural drive for privacy and secrecy. And they're sort of present in this episode, particularly the bit in the Enterprise incident where the Romulan commander receives a message from one of her officers. And it's not an intercom, it's like conveyed through an earpiece. Mm-hmm. And just little things like that really pull it all together and make it consistent. Accidentally. <laughs> But that's, those are the, the bones that we built all of our headcanons I know, I know, on. it's and, great. And those headcanons became Romulan culture because, you know, it's sort of like uh, Hikaru Sulu wasn't Sulu's name until no. Star Trek VI. Like, he didn't have a first name, but it became his name. It was like the fandom accepted name. I think it was in a novel at one point. And then in Star Trek VI, he was like, I'm Captain Hikaru Sulu. And yeah. that was his name from then on. You know, it was like, it became canon. And in similar ways, it's like everybody talked about Romulan culture until a point where it becomes real and it becomes part of the actual story. Yes. I just love being able to go back and see the seeds of these yeah. ideas. Yeah, that's... And, yeah. Absolutely. That's super fun. But so what I was saying about McCoy... Oh, yeah. I'm so sorry. <laughs> It's, it's fine. You have to edit this, so good luck. <laughs> um, yeah. But just that it's, it's interesting to me that in the first episode, in The Balance of Terror, he is very, like, he's very like, hey, we should, you know, be friendly, and we shouldn't, we shouldn't go to war. We shouldn't assume that they're going to attack us. We definitely shouldn't attack first. And, hey, everybody, you know, let's take some steps back and take a breather. And in the Enterprise incident, he's like, so I'm in on this script plot to pretend <laughs> that Kirk dies and then we're going to turn him into a Romulan so that he can totally steal a cloaking device. And it's like, okay, what happens to Dr. McCoy? <laughs> but I think it was the first episode. It's like, like, I can see, I can sort of see an arc for it. And I think that's interesting. Yes. And also I think that this steal a cloaking device mission, if they pull it off, which they did, there are very few casualties. Like, I think yes. one guy is injured and that's it. And I feel like McCoy... From a McCoy standpoint, I think this is what I was getting at mm. poorly, but now I'm going to get at it well. From a McCoy standpoint... If I help the, the yes. you know, Kirk clan, the trademark Kirk clan to, to work and, and not kill off anybody on our side or their side and, and have this bloodless battle and yes. war, then I will have helped the cause and stopped the, the battle that would have occurred and the death that would have occurred if I didn't do this. Like, I can, I can totally see McCoy talking him in, himself into that. Yes, yes. And I also wonder if he came up with the ruse of faking Kirk's death. Mm. Because 
seems to be kind of a go-to move for him generally. He did that. He knows how to do that well. Yeah, yeah. He's had a lot of experience. And he he's now tricked Vulcans and Romulans into thinking that Kirk's dead, which is, I think, a, an, a particular achievement. Hashtag goals, am I right? Yes. <laughs> I just, I, I like that. I mean, obviously, Kirk, Spock, and McCoy are the trinity, and so obviously they're going to have, like, big roles and stuff. But I yeah. liked that they did all get something to do in each of these episodes yes i also felt very bad for Chekhov the way kirk snaps at him at the opening scene like the poor boy is just doing his job but he doesn't know you're playing a role like maybe we need some sort of original series lower decks that's just Chekhov going why is the captain picking on me (laughs) oh poor Chekhov honestly Chekhov gets yelled at a lot (laughs) hashtag justice for Chekhov (laughs) He could he could uh, form a support group with Harry Kim, Aww. which I would love to read if anyone wants to write that for me. <laughs> yeah, I, I would go for that. Please, someone write it and send it to us. And then it's also, you know, in A Balance of Terror, we have Janice Rand sort of like, hey, come to her. I'm here for you. <laughs> and yeah. then in the Enterprise incident, we sort of have, hey, I, uh, I, I know that I've already lost Spock, but I'm still going to keep trying to get Spock, Christine Chapel. <laughs> it's, it's like, I don't know. They, they both have this, this weird, it's, it's both sort of sad and desperate, but also, you know, okay. Yeah, I think it was a mistake to have both the significant recurring female characters in positions of unrequited <laughs> love. Put it that way. Unrequited love, yeah. And and they both had a sort of similar aesthetic. They're very yeah. feminine. They're very, like, I don't know. I, I guess it's not like Uhura isn't feminine, so it's all of them. All women mm-hmm. on the show, apparently. I, I think apparently. particularly Rand and Chapel seem similar because they're both blonde and they're both a little older than you would expect for that sort of ingenue role. I, I, I can which see is that. not a criticism, it's just an interesting casting choice and they're both in pretty subservient roles yeah like supportive supportive roles and because again because of the 60s they were more subservient Mm. than Mm. they should have been perhaps yes and they both go on to positions of more authority in the movies right when we not that we ever see much of chapel as a doctor but but we know that it happens and yes and rand too you know we only get a few glimpses of her but and the, a whole Voyager, Voyager the Voyager episode. episode is really like I love that. That's our last view yeah. of Rand. It's it's such it it really like repairs her legacy for me. Yes, because yes. I can and I can it's... imagine I can imagine everything she was doing in between, and yeah. it makes me happy. So and, and the way we know Grace Lee Whitney was mistreated on set, oh, yes. it feels exactly. like a vindication for her as well. Mm-hmm. That she gets to have a position of authority and she gets to have scenes with the first female captain. Ugh, I'm going to cry so now. Oh my God. <laughs> it's not even that obvious. Anyway. So. Oh, one final thing before we wrap up. You know all these scenes in Balance of Terror in phaser control and, and manually charging the phasers? Yes. I, I think that's really cool and I really wish that had been like a regular thing in Discovery. I mean, that's the super like submarine plot thing right mm. like that's 
Yeah. I feel like every... And, and I don't go out of my way to watch submarine movies, but I've definitely seen the popular ones. <laughs> and and I, those are the scenes I remember. Are the... Yeah. We, we, it takes so long to do everything on a submarine scene. Yes. And it's... If that had been incorporated into Discovery, I feel like it would have been a really good way to demonstrate that even though the effects and the sets and the trappings are much more modern than yes. the original series, you know you're right. this is still an older setting than what we're used and to. You, and you know what? You could even have like everything except the spore drive be that way. So like the spore drive is its own thing. Like You can yeah. still have this instantaneous, dangerous side but the everything else would be in the the old style like i i like that idea for grounding discovery and also for ramping up the tension and i can just imagine you know Lorca drilling the the phaser crews <laughs> endlessly not that that show really needs more side characters but what if it had more side characters <laughs> well if they don't i mean yeah 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 It'd be good. It'd be good. Yeah. Like it. All right. So do you have any final thoughts on TUS Romulans before we wrap up? Mainly that I'm just really glad that Picard has returned us to an era where Romulans can have a variety of hairstyles. <laughs> yes. I mean, and personalities. Yeah. And also, I think Elnor would look super cute in the electric blue uniform with the culottes and the crochet and, yeah. That's kind of cute. Someone someone out there, draw that for us, okay? Thank you. <laughs> no, I'll commission you, because uh, Liz is right and we shouldn't work for free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> art is valuable. Even so if it's really silly. Send, <laughs> send me your <laughs> send me your requirements and I'll get back to you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for listening to Antimatterpod. You can find our show notes at antimatterpod.tumblr.com, including links to our social media and credits for our theme music. You can also follow us on Twitter at, at @antimatterpod and at Facebook search for Antimatterpod. If you like us, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you can see your podcasts. The more reviews, the easier it is for new listeners to find us. We get raised up in the series. Yeah, yeah. And join us in two weeks when we'll be discussing the season premiere of Star Trek Discovery. It's back, guys. I'm so, so excited to move on from my feelings about season two. New Trek, new hair. Yes. It's going to be great. I am, I am, yes, exactly. I want to put it all down because I continuously get annoyed <laughs> with Discovery and I want to go back to loving it. I want to have new things to be annoyed at. <laughs> that too, that'll work. <laughs> just want to be yeah. passionate. Any passion is good. Oh, it's 2020 and I just want to feel something. Oh gosh. Oh gosh.